Hey, it's the Real Estate Steps Podcast. Welcome to your number one resource for real estate information. All right, everybody. Hey, it's time once again for another episode of Real Estate Steps. And we have the venerable crew of Amir, Nick, and Bob, or Nick, Bob, and Amir. So it's called NBA. NBA. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> welcome. And it's always a pleasure to have Amir with us. Uh, so welcome to the studio, Amir. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> welcome so, back. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So where were you off to this last time? Actually, or, uh, I was uh, in, in Cleveland and, and in Missouri, so looking for some investment property, properties wow. out of state. Now, now yeah. just it's not Cleveland, Missouri. It's Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, Amir. Cleveland and <laughs> Cleveland Missouri. and Missouri, he said. Yeah. I know. I yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and good opportunities there? Yes. Yes. I will talk about this as a multiple streams of income for real estate agents. So. Wow. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. So any place besides California? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> for investing. For investing. Yeah. And so, Nick, well, what is it that you're going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about? about six mistakes new real estate agents make. So mm-hmm. if you're a new agent, listen up. Okay. And then I'm going to be talking about SB50. What is what SB50? Is SB50? <laughs> Aha. You'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> it's a big deal for real estate. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll give you some information about that. And, of course, those of you who've been following, you'll know what's going on. For those of you who haven't, this is going to be a great podcast. <laughs> so, so, so I think, uh, you know what? I think I should start because what Amir is going to talk about, I think, kind of fits in with what I'm talking about here. Perfect, yeah. So I'll get going here. Uh, six mistakes. If you're a new real estate agent, a uh, couple things you should keep in mind, okay? Uh, it's it's uh, These are six common missteps to avoid as you start your career as a new agent. Uh, the first thing is you got to, and I say this all the time, you got to think yourself as a salesperson first and foremost, okay? I know a lot of agents don't want to be that because they don't they don't want to be the the pushy sales guy, you know, they don't want to think that they're like car salesmen or something like that. This is entirely different, okay? Uh, the surest way to erode trust with a client is to make them feel like you're pushing them into the biggest financial decision of their life. So buying a home, I tell people buying a home, buying, selling a home is probably the biggest investment that most people have. And uh, you really need to build a relationship with people before you do that. You got to get them to trust you. So you can't be pushy, but you still have to be a salesperson. You still have to understand that. Uh, you want them to know that you're a partner, and I like that word, who's there to guide them through the decision-making process. They want to know you're going to support them for the long haul, not pressure them into properties they aren't in love with. Okay, I think it's also your duty to tell them if you think a home may have potential problems, uh, tell them what you know about the neighborhood Okay, when you're selling properties to people. Um, also, when you're selling a property for a person, uh, you should be honest with them. Let them know they need to disclose everything. Uh, that they know about the house to the best of their knowledge because you don't want your sellers getting in trouble down the line. You don't want buyers coming back and saying, you never told me about this. We could be having a problem here. So be very careful with that. So what do you think about that, Amir? Because I'm going to stop and talk to Amir about this. What do you think about the salesperson? 
Yeah, always, always uh, put your client in, uh, in the first position, not yourself. You know, don't. Uh, and unfortunately, many agents uh, are trying to make closing as fast as possible to just make a commission. So don't be used car salesman. So be, uh, are you helping people to buy their biggest uh, investment in life, uh, their home, not house, home. So where, where they will be probably building their family and uh, raising their kids and everything else. So help people to make wise decision without putting yourself on the first position. Your your clients are the first. Yeah, well yeah. said. Number two, and I love this because everyone's done this, counting commissions before the money posts to your bank account. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. ever done that. An experienced agent will say, a deal isn't done until you have money in the bank. Okay, deals can fall apart in all kinds of unexpected reasons, even at the closing table. Am I right, Amir? That's true. So have I you have seen a, that happen? Uh, I have instances where people bought, uh, you know, Harley or car just uh, <laughs> be, before the closing, and they checked, uh, pull the credit one more time. That to income ratio doesn't work anymore. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then they don't yeah. qualify, and they go, "What do you mean I can't buy a new truck before I buy a house?" So it's our job to educate people about stuff like that, okay? And it's your job to to not bank on that commission, okay? Don't go crazy. Uh, not investing in yourself as a business. I like this one. I try to tell people, uh, agents, that uh, we are, basically, we're business people. We have to understand that, okay? Uh, your new job as a real estate agent is a small business. You want to make sure that you have a business plan. I think that's good, okay? A marketing budget, okay? Try and, try and build a budget. Uh, long and short-term strategies, okay? And I like new business. It's going to require an investment up front. What do you say about that, Amir? Absolutely. So most people, uh, most agents get a real estate license thing, so they're going to be a hobby or just make money on the side. Yeah. And then if you treat it as a hobby, it's going to be a hobby. Right. So, but if you wanted to uh, go full-time in the real estate and build as a business, you have to treat it as a business, uh, meaning everything what you just said. So invest in yourself. You know, me personally, I invested so many, went to so many classes, hired coach, different coaches and stuff, and then invest in your business. I mean, it's hard to build any business restaurant factory manufacturing without investing in the marketing right that's so right. you have to invest and this is a business too so yeah you have to invest in your own marketing that's right that's right very true number four not using feast months to prepare for famine okay real estate is cyclical it goes up and down even if things are going really well during the busy seasons you want to make sure that you're saving for the seasons ebb and flow in the unexpected market shifts because the markets do shift they do change Real estate sales can be a roller coaster. Make sure you're using your busier times to continue marketing yourself so you have a strong funnel of leads as the slower months set in. Amir? Yeah, lots of agents work from uh, escrows to escrow. So they get busy, busy, busy. They uh, had three, four escrows in, uh, uh, transactions in escrow. They work on those escrows, and then after they close, then they have to start from beginning on. Yeah. Ma uh, marketing, advertise. So that's the roller coaster. So there would be like construction company having uh, jobs, and then uh, uh, they don't advertise at all till they finish the jobs. Now now they finish the job, build a new house, and then or whatever the remodel they do, and then they start uh, advertising. So. Uh, they will not be in business long time. So, yeah, um, I agree. Or, or they have to, you know, fire their employees, etc. So, the same here. So you have. Uh, I always say. So you have to have uh, at least six months of saving on the side in this business. Meaning, uh, actually, if you don't make any money for six months, you have to be able to survive without any pressure. Yep. 
and I think we've all learned that. Uh, this is, again, for new agents, okay, that might have other jobs. Number five, staying too busy with your backup job, okay? You can have a backup job. You can do real estate on the side. Uh, just make sure that you have the flexibility to be attentive to your clients, okay? Um, don't take on clients if you can't handle them properly. Make sure that you're upfront with clients about your availability. I think that's very important if you're going to have a backup job. Yes, uh, and then, I mean, keep in mind, so you have to work. I mean, uh, it's, uh, you have, I was a um, part-time agent with a full-time job for uh, four years. So eight-hour uh, work Monday to Friday, and then I was working like like a dog after after that. So right. you have to have good work ethics to be able to succeed uh, with a full-time job in real estate. Yep. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to be watching TV and uh, playing video games or whatever. <laughs> Else, you're talking, right? <laughs> playing video games <laughs> and uh, here's here's number six the last thing which again a lot of us are guilty of dropping client relationships after the sale okay oh yeah uh, there's no reason to let contracts to contacts fall completely away right after the sale uh, they could help you get more leads by referring you to friends who need a real estate agent so you know you can stay in touch with them via facebook you can uh, run by, drop off gifts. You can do uh, things like, I, I mean, if you have a, uh, a CRM, uh, you can program in the CRM to to do some sort of like a, an anniversary of closing, okay, when, when right. the deal closed. What do you think about that, Amir? A lot of people don't yeah. follow up with their That's clients. That's not a problem only of new agents, even experienced agents. Even experienced uh, agents uh, do, this. do this. That's right. So, well, cost of... Um, getting a new lead is much higher than uh, maintaining the existing that's lead, right meaning your client so those people already like you trust like you actually doing business with you so why actually to drop this yeah. as a as a client so maintain yeah. this relationship will because it will bring more business yeah yeah they already trust you they already know you they already trust you um, sometimes all you got to do is ask for the business okay they already know you and trust you uh, stay in touch find out what they're doing what's going on um, you know, and I was thinking about this today. There's a client I have that I know had surgery last week. So I was going to run by with a bottle of wine, just say, hey, you know, I hope you're doing better. I know she's home now. Uh, so it's, it's just one of those things, you know, you, you got to be able to do that. You know, one of the things you can do as well is a piggyback on other events that you know of. Okay. And I know a lender that has happy hours and they, uh, they're set up to basically they're you, you can brand yeah. them for yourself mm -hmm. and so i went to one of them and she had one of her clients that she had done a mortgage for as well as the other people and so it was it was fascinating to see how, how you can leverage that so definitely keep you know find out what what other lenders are doing uh if they're having a happy hour if they're having an event that sort of thing invite your clients to that as though it was it's your event yeah okay and there's there's no money off your back on that. That's right. That's and, a good idea. And then you can do the on, on every month, once, once yeah, a month. Yeah, once a month. And then they see that you're active. And then when you have all, and then have your holiday calendar that you plan. And I don't know if people do this anymore, but back in the in another business, they ha they call it a uh, your marketing calendar. And each month you can have one or two items every single month that you can always tap in and connect your mm -hmm. previous clients to and just whether they attend it or not they are seeing that you're active in the community and that you're still staying in touch and you're not you're not being salesy it's just it, they're fun little things that people can be a part of 
that's a key what you just mentioned so not to be salesy so we are not salespeople. we are actually real estate uh, professionals uh, and p position yourself like that so as a consultant and professional not yeah. somebody who is selling real estate right right so you are um, advising people consulting people what uh, decisions to make not only buying their own homes but uh, if they buy the investments too right so people go to financial advisors to uh, buy uh, you know stocks and different uh, investments if you if you specialize in investment properties people should come to you to get advice how to buy and analyze investment properties so think of yourself yeah. as a real estate consultant a consultant yeah. or an advisor gee where did i hear that name before being a part of a real estate, you're always in touch with a lot of people. You're, yeah. you're, you're constantly networking. And so letting your people, your clients know, because I had one of my uh, clients call me because they were saying, can you recommend a plumber for this? We want to do this expansion. Can you recommend somebody that can do painting or, or sheetrock for us? And you keep re reminding them that, yes, I'm your go-to person. Source of information. I'm, I'm your yeah. source. Okay, yeah. come to me for what viable referrals that you want. Okay, trusted referrals, trusted contractors, and and establish that with them throughout your, even during your escrow process, you know. But I wanted to make a little bit of caution there, so be extremely careful who you recommend. Yeah, correct. Because uh, I have one uh, bad story, so I recommended a contractor to do side replacement. Uh, clients were going to sign a um, le um, listing agreement with me, and after you know two weeks or so, she called me and then uh, uh, you know start uh, you know apologizing. So she doesn't want to sign with me anymore. I said, "Why? What's uh, what happened?" So well, that contractor did steal some tools from the <gasps> tool shed. Oh my god! So now because I recommended him, so yeah. and of course he was denying this, and there was dispute. But doesn't matter who the uh, who was right or wrong. I lost the listing, so I lost the trust. Yeah. Because of just recommending one wrong wow. contractor. I haven't recommended him since then, of course. Yeah, but right. Yeah, yeah, you have to be very careful. Yeah, people you know and that you used before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that leads into what Amir's going to be talking. That's right. Well, as you know, so the biggest problem with the real estate is that uh, real estate business is transactional. So that's a problem with uh, uh, new existing seasoned uh, agents, uh, especially with the new agents. You know, they uh, get into the business and they make, uh, you know, they, they work hard on lead generation, whatever the broker or coach tells them to do. Uh, door knocking, uh, call calling, etc. And they um, close transaction, they make money. If they don't close transaction, you don't make any money, right? So with the seasoned uh, real estate agents, they have uh, enough business and pipeline and systems in place. They have consistent uh, closings. You know, I know agents, they're closing 10 or more transactions every single month. They don't have an issue with the roller coaster, mm -hmm. what we talked. So now, uh, in order to uh be more predictable and make this you're actually your make a real estate living you need to have multiple streams of income so meaning uh, you have to have uh, some residual passive income in order to be uh, able to survive in in order to be able to plan your uh, your your life right so you may have a uh, kids in college or um, you know small kids doesn't matter so you have expenses so that's why um, i always uh, recommend agents to uh, look into multiple streams of income uh, before I know some coaches saying, "Hey, start property management, start different uh, different kind of uh, businesses, uh, real estate related." Which you know, property management is not easy to do. It's very uh, time consuming and uh, high liability, etc. But uh, what I was recommending one of the previous podcasts, I talked about buying mobile homes. If you remember, so buying a mobile home and then uh, 
uh, uh, selling as an owner financing. So you are uh, gener- generating your own ATM machine. So mm-hmm. you, you have some consistent uh, income a month. Uh, that's one uh, investment. So uh, another one uh, is obviously buying a high um, ROI uh, return investment uh, properties, which unfortunately not in California is not possible anymore to get 15 or 20 percent. But uh, you know, look out of state uh, properties, you can get 15 to 20 percent investments. So if you have a consistent, um, I'm not saying actually to replace your uh, full. Uh, salary and this is actually for the people to the agents they, they have a part-time job a uh, full-time job right so but if they can replace half of their salary with a passive income it's much easier to do transition to real estate full-time now to agents they're full-time in real estate already so it would be much easier and uh, stress uh, less stress and less pressure if they have consistently five to ten thousand dollars uh, monthly income passively right so look to different companies as well they offer passive income retirement plan and you know reti- uh, shares uh, or, or passive income there's uh, more and more companies coming out uh, and then uh, that's actually uh, f- for you not doing anything extra but just selling real estate but you can have additional passive income working for the right company so and then uh, in addition to this start investing in a different approach like uh, either mobile home which is very easy cheap to get into it or um, uh, out of state investments or in, in town investment if you find a good good deal so you can get investment loans you know as long as long as you have 20 percent down you can get a investment loan and get some um, um, duplex so you know single family house and start getting a rental so the key is actually passive income if you haven't played monopoly start playing monopoly so that's uh the same way so you're generating uh, income with monopoly game i mean that's a very good game to start playing from you know as even if you're young i mean i'm playing with my kids all the time it's interesting you mentioned like mobile homes so you're actually talking and i know we talked about this briefly you're actually talking about buying these things then someone buys it from you but you act as the bank is that correct correct so you do the so it's lender financing or yeah, seller, financing. seller financing my goal is actually to get my money back within 18 months maximum getting a four to six years uh free uh you know cash right. flow in we just bought one house, a mobile home, for two thousand dollars. You need some work, so it's going to be probably fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in. So the idea is actually get a buyer who is going to put ten thousand dollars down, and you know about four hundred to five hundred dollars a month. So I will get my m- money back within eighteen, fourteen to eighteen months, and I will get five or six years, you know, five hundred dollars a month. In. Wow! But then they still have to pay for the spot. Right? They have to pay yeah, for the spot, yeah. but keep my spot is five uh, five fifty. Yeah, so that's and a uh, mortgage payment, uh, yeah. uh, you know, five hundred so thousand, yeah. uh, thousand eleven hundred dollars. Three bedroom, two bath. You cannot rent three yeah, bedroom, two bath. What what yeah. what area were you able to get that mobile? North uh, Sacramento. North Sacramento. North Sacramento. But there's deals everywhere. There's, you know, yeah, I mean, there's uh, deals everywhere. Um, I bought about seven to eight homes uh, in um, um, that mobile home park of Auburn there, and then in Rancho Cordova. So I still have those notes carrying. I bought them five years ago. Yeah, they still haven't paid off. Now, there's also, because uh, you, you mentioned this briefly, besides properties, there's also uh, real estate companies. I was at Keller Williams. They did a profit sharing. They had a profit sharing system. We have agreed. Uh, I mean, we're not going to mention any, any uh, companies here, but there's other companies better than that. The company, what you just mentioned, they have uh, not profit, but revenue sharing. So you have to look for uh, different companies. They offer revenue sharing, which means actually you make money without selling. So that's the key. Right. So we wanted to avoid uh, relying on selling because if you rely on selling, so it's a pure p- pressure. So some people work good with under pressure, some people don't. So that's why so many um, agents, you know, just get out of real estate. It's not easy job. You know, it's yeah. it's not easy work. 
but that's why we have we we wanted to help people uh, to understand so you can sustain this business for a long time till you retire if you have a consistent passive income and mm-hmm. then uh, more and more companies coming in uh, now on the market they offer that meaning a revenue sharing so uh, like um, you own part of the company mm-hmm. right so that's uh, consistently uh, income right, a month right, right right for years it's important to understand revenue sharing is different from profit sharing because if profit sharing if if the branch isn't profitable there's no sharing there's right. nothing to share if there's no profits mm-hmm. right so that's misleading what people have and i always say would you like to have 50 percent of uh, revenue of gm uh, between 2007 2008 or would you like to have half percent of i'm sorry uh, 50% of profit of right. gm uh, 2007 2008 or half percent of revenue of apple last year right. what would it, what would you take right so um, <laughs> yeah gm got bankrupt here, so it's, it's no uh, profit so you're getting 50% of zero yeah which is still zero or uh, you know half percent of uh, entire of, apple production yeah. yeah which is almost a trillion dollar company now yeah is that amazing? It is. <laughs> oh my God! So you have to, you know, look, you know, revenue versus profit. All right, that's great, fantastic. I, I always bring on the oddball uh, topic, but it is kind of key because it th- this was something that was uh, in the works for about a year, and it's uh, they got it got postponed, and so it's going to be something that be coming in the future. Okay, so this is something to kind of like be alert to. Uh, moving forward and, and and kind of doing doing your own study. So I'll, I'll introduce this, and but at the same time, I really recommend that you study it so you can see the impact of what's going to be happening because it's SB 50, State Bill 50, uh, in the state of California. It was designed to help housing affordability, and but it had some really strange uh, features to it. So it got postponed. It's not gone. It's postponed. All right. So what I would recommend is that everybody really do some studying on SB 50. But let me give you some points of what SB 50 is, just just so you can kind of, you know, whet whet your appetite and kind of get you a little more curious about it. But um, and for those who already know what it is, eh, you get it. But uh, I'm I'm sure a majority of people don't know what the details of it are. But uh, first thing is that SB 50 wipes out all single family zoning in transit areas. What's the definition of transit area? Transit area is an area that's a half a mile radius of any rail or train stop. So what does rail mean is when they have light rail that goes out to the different suburbs. And so single family zoning can, is eliminated. And what does that mean? That means that they can build multi-story um, housing in those places that are near as a stop. So just... For example, think about it. There's the light rail that goes out to Rancho Cordova. Sure. They could build up uh, multi-story yeah. housing in that area. Within a half multi-story mile radius. Or multi- multi-story? Or multi-story. Four years. Yes. They build up high rise? Yes. And then the other one, but it, it removes the single-family zoning only uh, restriction. The other thing is SB 50 wipes out single-family zones in thousands of neighborhoods. That's not good. Okay. And that's where um, it overturns single-family zoning in areas above medium income, jobs rich with good public schools that lack major transit. 
Yeah, that's not good. okay. So it's uh, set, so not only close to the rail, but uh, right. It also in, in other neighborhoods. So it allows tall apartments next to houses and areas that have good schools and jobs. That's nowhere near transit. How are they going to determine uh, what is good school and what is good jobs? Above median income, jobs rich with good public schools. That's the three points criteria. So what is it, and what's the median income of the neighborhood? What is uh, employment? Are there good jobs in the area? I can see as a pro uh, that second point. What you say, I, I can see as a problem because uh, it's going to be argument. You know, good school, not good school. Uh, you know, right. job rich. But the first point, uh, in close to the rail, I think that would make sense. Actually, that's uh, uh, helping uh, uh, cities, towns to develop yeah. areas, uh, and then have a good public transportation. Here's, right. here's another one. SB yeah, but is the half-mile radius too big? Is that too large from the rail? Right. Because half-mile incorporates a lot of area. Right. But, I mean, at half-mile, just, but just think of any of the, uh, one of the rail stops of the light rail in yeah. Sacramento. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's another one. It, SB 50 encourages 75-foot to 85-foot tall luxury towers in single-family areas that are either too close to transit or too close to jobs and good schools. The height the, the limit is not 45 and 50 feet, okay? The height limit is 75 to 85 feet. So I guess the question is, what were they smoking when they came out with this, this bill? <laughs> oh wait i'm only a number three i've, I've got four oh, i got more to go <laughs> it also cities can't stop luxury towers unless it hurts public safety so luxury towers are those densely uh density bonus projects that are being built and of course they just built a big set of luxury towers downtown but they're actually able to do that uh, cities can't reject demolitions in the new sb 50 targeted areas. Uh, SB 50 prevents cities from fighting demolitions that make way for housing towers. So if they come in and de demolish other you know, properties that are around that area. SB 50 forces sensitive communities to up-zone themselves, up-zone themselves by 2025. Okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, sensitive communities, low-income, diverse areas, it requires them to upzone their community plans in five years to conform to SB 50. Annihilating their homeowner, homeowner areas, a direct attack on starter homes. Okay, so the question is, if this passes, mm -hmm. which homes will be demolished? So multi multi home units can be established. No, it's very broad criteria. So it's not you can uh, you, you it's hard to determine which yeah. one. Well, it, but it, the, the the first criteria is a rail stop. That's easy to know. That's easy you know to know. A rail stop is right. can, and then easy correct. To know. But everything else, it could be uh, if manipulate. But, manipulate. But you can play that. The thing was it was uh, median income, jobs rich, and quality of schools. Is it? And, 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 or, 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 or? All three. So it have to be a rail stop? Uh, no, no, no. That, those are two separate criteria. Okay. Rail stop is one. And, or, or? And if it's, if, if the neighborhood is a nicer neighborhood, then they can build multi-story. But it has to have a, a rail stop. That's one. But they can also, if, it, let's, let's say the rail stop 
doesn't have the the job rich right then they can build it there because it's near the rail stop if it's out away from the rail stop it's if it's beyond a half a mile and the and the area has nice jobs nice income and good schools then they can build there so the it, it's not and it is or right so either um correct rail stop or they can build in the middle of right Elder so if it's an area that has higher income mm-hmm. okay more jobs better schools right that's put, a criteria. That's a criteria. They put these multi-units up there. Correct. And now you'll you'll start <laughs> reducing the quality of that area. Uh, okay. Right. Not necessarily. Not. Not. not I mean, not necessarily. I mean, what are you going to be selling? Penthouses. If they put in luxury places, yeah. yeah. The luxury. Uh, so now you're allowing more people to move into the uh, job-rich uh, area, right? Um, and those mo- those penthouses are not going to be cheap. They're going to be expensive. You know, I've seen few in in, uh, in Las Vegas that way, yeah. not in the strip outside. Right. You know, right. Very expensive uh, right. Uh, condos. Yeah. If that's what they're going to do, though. Yeah. But I have a feeling that's not what they're planning on doing. Are yeah. they Are they just planning to to build for the masses? Is that what they're doing? Yes, yeah, building for the masses, and it's providing multiple uh, vertical housing is what the main idea here is. Is being able to build that in different areas. So. Those are the bullet points there. Um, then the other one here is bus. It turns bus routes into land wars. Land wars? Land wars. So from Boyle Heights to Oakland, SB50 shows bus, allows bus agencies to up end single family zoning. And that's the key point here is mm-hmm. single family zoning used to be a lock you know you couldn't change that right. it was just ironclad okay what this does is this starts taking those single family zone areas and uh, puts that out into question now and so the by shortening the bus stop headways um, how often a bus picks up a look at a location to 15 minutes bus agencies can override single family zoning within a quarter mile of a bus stop and developers can erect 65 foot tall buildings the cities can't reject okay so why if it's so great why is it on hold Uh, that's interesting isn't it (laughs) exactly that's the whole point but this it's not gone that's the the, i just just to be clear it's it's still there but they took it off the legislative calendar right and that just happened uh, last I, week. I think it's just natural uh, progression because uh, we have 7.5 billion people in the, in the, uh, in the world. So they said uh, it took 200,000 years to get uh, 1 billion, right? And only 200 years to reach 7 billion, mm-hmm. right? So in the last 200 years, we grow from 1 to 7 billion, 7.5 billion actually. And then uh, if that continues that way, so I think we, we should reach 10 billion by... Uh, 2050, I believe. So, yes, you drive to uh, Vegas or drive to Arizona. Arizona, it's lots of empty let, uh, land there, but nobody right. wants to uh, live in the middle of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the United States. You know, you have you know, South, uh, you have China, obviously the most popular, but uh, you have all over the world. You know, people have to live somewhere, right? Unless we hopefully not have some massive war so which will reduce the population if you look at the united states so most uh, most populated cities are east and west coast right so right. people moving to, uh, one or other coast and then of course you have cities in between but uh you know san francisco california is you know populated a, a lot so if you have ever single family homes it's only so many so many people can live there right, right. so yeah. i think that's natural progressions they will obviously first in downtown and they 
uh, trains and, and rail and public transportation I saw, which is typically downtown, midtown, and few areas connected to, unless they expand to, you know, Placerville, for example, or whatever, right? Right. So, and then build more more properties. I mean, that would that would be good, you know, connect uh, Folsom to Placerville, for example, you know, with a light rail, and then build, you know, housing. Well, right? I, I, clearly the infrastructure has to be there to support That's all true. of that too. But um, um, I'm getting this from, it's called livablecalifornia.org is the website. I'll have that posted yeah, podcast yeah, page. We'll so have a link yeah. yeah, we'll have a link to that so you can see that. But that's, yeah, that's what's in the future for California. And that's been under, uh, obviously it's been under debate for some time. But anyway, that's uh, that's our latest news on what's going on in housing in the real estate uh, We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> and don't worry, no, uh, they're not going to build high-rise next to your house no. anytime soon. So yeah, no, no, Because I look around and there's plenty of land uh to build new homes new new subdivisions and stuff like that so i mean i don't know why why they would want to do this but maybe i'm not seeing the whole picture here yeah so anyway that's that's what's going on it's um but just be aware of it that's what we're trying to do here and uh go from there all right all right thank you Thank you for listening to Real Estate Steps Podcast. We'll be back next week with some fresh topics about real estate news that's pertinent and relevant to you. You can follow us at Facebook or Twitter at Real Estate Steps. Be sure to subscribe to us at your favorite podcast streaming site. Also, you can follow us at realestatesteps.net. Contact us, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week.